You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. 25 yard line off the fake to Goldman. Jones pass is caught by Evan Ingram, still going down the sideline. Evan Ingram will take this all the way. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best fan damn football team. <laughs> I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, we are not cranky tonight. A lot has happened since the last time I talked to you. Uh, ran down to Tampa for Game 7, as predicted here last week. My Tampa Bay Lightning disposed of the Islanders, so you know I'll keep chanting 1983-1983 to you guys. And tonight, as we're recording, just after a Game 1 evisceration of Montreal. So we are three away from a repeat cup. So... If you think you're unbearable now, wait till about 10 days from now when I'm really unbearable. I um, I went to Montreal once, and uh, everyone was really mean. Let me tell you something about those pricks. <laughs> they think they're going to steal my baseball team. Well, guess what? We stole your sport. And it's been, what, about probably since the French and Indian War, the last time a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup? So let me tell you something, America light. You're not winning it this year either. So, wow. Go back to go back to your boutine and go back to your <laughs> your curling. What other Canadian? There you. Yeah, go back to your Brian Adams and your Ann Murray and your Alanis Morissette and your <laughs> Terrence and Phillip. You Justin Bieber. How do you want to keep that one going? Yeah, you can enjoy the boat parade for the Stanley Cup champions in Tampa in about oh. I'll give it till next weekend. I think we're going to win this thing in six, five or six. So, wow. take that and just eat it. Jeez, man. All right. So that's that's how we're starting. That's how we're starting. How are you, Grump? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I don't. You know, um, I don't have anything to be real fired up about. So, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna, we're gonna, we're coming for you, sign lady from Tour de France. You can run, oh, but you can't man. hide. Jeez, what a disgrace! <laughs> Yo, I, I kind of feel like a little bit bad for her now. I mean, she's being sued, and now is is reportedly missing as of the recording of this. She was well, trying I mean, to flee the country. Well, Grump, let's compare this to a guy like Steve Bartman. You remember who he is, right? I do not know what you're talking. Steve about. Bartman was that Cubs fan back in I think the '03 playoffs, where um, it was a foul ball hit. And he kind of like interfered with a Cubs outfielder and he couldn't catch it. And then Florida ended up scoring like seven runs in a row after. And he had to go into hiding ever since because he's, you know, he was the embodiment of the Cubs and infertility. Infertility? No. Futility? Futility. Yeah, infertility means they couldn't have, couldn't have any kids, which may or may not be a bad thing for Cubs fans. But. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of like one of those, oh, bad place, bad time. But this is something where she deserves what she gets. I mean, just to be that self-centered and so unaware of everything going on and causing people not only to screw up an event, but people getting hurt. So, you know, something, you know, your actions have consequence. And I think, you know, she's going to get what she deserves. I mean, I'm I'm not even going to comment, like, on that because, like, I don't think anyone can say she doesn't deserve whatever. It's not her fault, whatever. 
It is her fault. No, I know. I agree with you. I don't think anyone's going to say it's not her fault. That's what I'm saying. But at the same time, I just feel a little bit bad for her. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, we're not talking about somebody who ran into, like, the, like, she's in the street, right? But she's, like, yes! foot in. She's not, like, like, I, I don't know. Even in the example of, like, the dude trying to catch, like, he's trying to catch the ball. Like, he's, like, I, I don't know. It's just... That's a, that's a reflex action. I mean, if you're sitting there and the ball's coming at you, you're not thinking at that moment, oh, I want to, you know. And it was against his own team. Like, is the the, own, the Cubs outfielder was out there, and he ain't going to block it. He, you're just kind of reacting. This was a premeditated move to – Yes, no, no, no. I, you know, I agree. Make, look at me on TV and, and all that, and, you know, yeah. Look, look here's, here's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> In no – like, like – there's very, very little between her doing what she wanted to do and, like, not interfering with that and what she did, right? Like, we're talking about a matter of, like, a foot. So it's, it's, it's like, a really, really um, fine line there. And there's, like, kind of no security at all or anything preventing her or, like, telling her, like, yo, you're a little too close. Like... When did she? When did she take you on as a defense lawyer? I'm, she, I'm not defending her. I'm saying <laughs> that she's in massive shit. Like this isn't just like that guy Robert has to Sh- go into hiding. Bob Shapiro here is defending OJ. Listen to this. <laughs> okay, really, really, really. This is not the same as a guy who screwed up the outcome of a baseball game. Not even the outcome. Just one moment, and it, there's nothing illegal about that. Like he just, he made a mistake and he's like a disgrace to the world, whatever. Right. This woman is facing serious legal charges and shit. Yes. And what I'm saying is if that were so easy to do, like maybe your event needs more security. Those it's, are two separate. Those are two separate things. I, I just, agree. Just because there's no security means you can do whatever you want. Yo, homie, I'm not defending her. <laughs> I'm not arguing both sides. I'm just. And saying, as you, and as people is, haven't, as people haven't realized by this point, we are in the deepest, darkest realm <laughs> of the off season. So, <laughs> look, I, I'm just making a point that it should be obvious that your event needs more security. That should not have been that easy to screw up. That's all. I mean, that, yeah. it's, a, it's just a separate point, and therefore I feel a little bit bad. Like, there was nobody there being like, you are going to fuck up a lot if you take one step closer. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think if there's a security guard there, just standing there, that doesn't happen. But whatever. <clears throat> Grump, you made, a, uh, you made a triumphant guest host on the um, I did. Yeah. Talking Giants podcast. It was very exciting. Yeah, it was. Um, everybody who listens to us listens to Talking Giants, I'm sure. But if you don't, Talking Giants is a great podcast on YouTube and you know, whatever, the internet. Wherever where you they, find this fine broadcast. John, John Boy Media. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. But um, yeah, popped on there. They were doing their summer exercises, doing a way too early look at the draft, which is essentially like what I do in my spare time. Um which is watch listing. You know, you're getting ready for another college season. You got to do it a little bit earlier because that season starts a little bit earlier and you're wrapped up in your NFL stuff anyway. But you list out the guys you're expecting a breakout year or a make or break year or guys ready for a leap or just people who have some traits. Um, and, you, you know, just kind of discuss them. So that's what I did with Bobby on that show. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so you can check that out there. Um, but... We are feeling good anyway, right? Uh, you know, 
we're we're lighthearted talking about hockey, talking about people interfering with bike races. <laughs> the and, lack of security at the Tour de France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve um, Bartman. We're covering all the topics. All tonight. the topics, all the relevant ones. Um, <laughs> so we are feeling good. We we finished our exercise here. We're looking at the season. We always look at it a little bit more optimistically than you know reality, but. 11 and 6, 12 and 5, those are those are some pretty special records in in rel- relativity to um the last few years for this franchise. Yeah, and let's put our massive asterisks out there for those records because again, we did that with basically each game in a vacuum. Kind of in a vacuum. I mean, I think there might have been a little bit of the okay, this, you know, this might be a time after winning two or three that we might, you know, have the loss or the momentum shift. But, you know, by and large, it was really a, an exercise in a vacuum. Do we both really think this team is going to win 11 games or 12 games? I just think it's possible. I mean, everything is possible. I mean, the NFL always has that one team every year that, you know, was awful the year before and things break right. And before you know it, it's late January and they're playing in the conference final. And, yeah, but I'm not talking about that kind of possibility. I'm saying this is the ceiling for what I I, I can see happening this year. Yeah, That's, I can see I can see that. I mean, if the, again, if everything pops right, I mean, we are fortunate. We are playing in a very bad division, division which we've highlighted over and over again with the other the three teams in it. So, is it possible to get more wins than this team really? The, you know, the, the talent level and the quality of this team? Yeah, I, I think so. So if this team is, you know, a 500 team really on paper and on execution, but because they're playing a lot of garbage within the division multiple times, 10-11 wins is very possible. Yeah, yeah. So so we are feeling pretty good. Um, I This is, you know, there's a lot less guesswork i think going into this season as there was last year you know a lot of what's daniel jones going to be like what's this coaching staff going to be like what's the offense going to look like a lot of guessing and and it it goes beyond last year the year before that you know each year there's just more and more guesswork and more um hoping i guess and now it's more uh yeah i feel good i guess now let's let's kind of start from the very top i mean we've kind of we spent the first half of this offseason kind of going through the roster, what needs to be done for the draft. At the draft, we went through our schedule. Now let's kind of – let's start looking really forward to the season and start at the very beginning of just – you know, Grump, we're, we're recording this on June 28th. What's your state of the team? I mean, starting with how are you feeling at this point of how the rebuild is going? You think we're on pace? We're ahead of schedule, behind schedule? Let's, let's start there and let's kind of – We'll work our way down a little, a little more detail from there. Well, I think at this point, um, well, I mean, if it's on schedule or you know ahead of schedule or behind schedule, is all relative to when we we think the rebuild begins. If we if it's the moment they uh, threw Daniel Jones out into the field week three of two years ago, I would say that they are on schedule. Um, in some ways, I think they're ahead of schedule, uh, and uh, in, in those ways, I think I think they have the right coaching staff in place. I think things feel right on the coaching end. I feel comfortable, and anything that makes me uncomfortable at this point, I've you know I've had enough check marks on my on my checklist there 
to feel okay that this guy kind of knows what he's doing and I'll just kind of I can have my concerns but not be up in arms about it um, I feel good there just so much of what we consider on schedule here is going to rely on Daniel Jones so coming out of the gate you know he's he's a guy he moves around a little bit in the pocket he's got this big arm he's real accurate um, but the turnovers big problem so you know the next step we thought was he's got to cut those turnovers down they did that last year, so, you know, kind of on schedule, but they kind of did it in a way that were schemed out of him. I mean, they took away a lot of the gamble shots, gave him a lot of, you know, sure things. They have him reading the field differently. He's not reading high-low like he was with Pat Shermer. Um, so, you know, now the next step is, can we join those two years? Can we join the downfield action and the gamble shots with the being a little bit more conservative with the ball, moving around in the pocket a little bit better? That is going to determine if we're staying on schedule. Daniel Jones is kind of a big question mark. He could fall apart this year. We don't really know. He hasn't shown he hasn't shown a product for 60 minutes, truly, in my opinion, that shows me he is the guy. He's shown things here and there in different games that I can put together and say I could see him being the guy. But there is a... There is an unknown quantity to Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, I think uh, before I make my opening arguments, uh, we haven't seen a 60-minute product from him. But we also haven't seen things that make us think that this is a bust draft pick, like somebody that's you know, n- absolutely not going to be a quarterback that we can ride for the next four or five years. I mean there's a lot of growth that has to happen, and a lot of it is internal with him. You know, getting a better sense of inter- internal clock, better ball control, uh, you know, not making the, the, the force throw in the red zones. But again, a lot of it was, you know, the supporting cast around him was suboptimal and having to deal with an, another new coaching staff, not having an offseason. I think the stack was the deck was so stacked against him last year that I think he actually overachieved more than I think that, you know, than uh, people are very down on him and I don't think it's fair why they are down on him. I think we'll have a much better sense of what he is after this season is over. I mean, I know everybody's going to, after every game, every quarter, every drive, every snap going to be either he's the franchise or start looking at their draft digest for 2022. And that's not going to be fair. I think it's going to have to be just watch this season. And I think you'll get a much, much better sense after the season is over to make the sense of what is Daniel Jones. Um, I think we are right on schedule. And to your point, which I adamantly agree with, the rebuild officially began when Daniel Jones took over in game three um, last year. Before we were trying to have it both ways. You can't do that. When they finally committed to him being the starting quarterback, that's when the rebuild was in earnest. Um, I think, you know, last year it was great that we were in a playoff push, you know, considering how bad the division was. But I think that set things in motion in this offseason where the clock started going faster than it really should be for where this team is going. You know, a lot of this, you know, I think maybe some of the decisions we made in free agency were caused by that. I think now a lot of people saying, 
you know, it's do or die time for Daniel Jones or for Dave Gettleman or because not so much that, you know, what we've done in the last two, three years with drafting, um, you know, and in the development of the young guys, but that window seems to be kicked open because of how bad the division is. And I don't think what the other three teams around us are really the, you know, the reflection of where we are in our development to get to be a legitimate playoff team and ultimately a title contender. So I think for what we've done in really about two years of the rebuild, I think we are right on schedule. I don't think there's any more gaping holes in this roster, gaping holes in the, you know, the starting 22. Um, I think there could be some more depth that could be, you know, built in and more, more game time from the offensive line, the quarterback. But I think we're right where we need to be right now. And I don't have any it's now or never feeling with me at all what happens this year. Do you think that there's I, – I mean you mentioned that there's no gaping holes. I, I agree with that. And you'd say there's no big problems in the starting 22. And I think I, I, think I agree with that. But I do have concerns. And – I think it's a little bit fair to have this criticism of Dave Gettleman in that his mantra from the beginning, and it's one of the things that you know you can you can commend him for, was that right from the get go he said we're gonna we're gonna get better at the offensive line, and I'm not gonna say that he's done nothing or hasn't come through on that progress pro- promise. He's put assets there, tons of it. I mean, this is a completely different. There's not one connecting dot when he took over at all and that that happened fast but we are still looking at this offensive line like man i you know a lot's gonna hang on that because you know i look at you know nick gates was great last year but that's still one year so you know i i still have this i feel comfortable with him but it's still you know we don't have an all pro center or anything like that both guard spots now you know will hernandez has not shown that he is taken the next step yet in his development and there might be reasons for that whether it be offensive line coaching changes or you know the fact that he did have COVID at some point last year um but either way we still haven't seen that you know Shane Lemieux he has shown us that he is not very good yet um so we're counting a lot on that and Matt Pear as well is another person that you know we're not necessarily counting on him because Nate Solder is as of right now on the roster um but ultimately, we want to see Matt Pair. I mean, we're not looking to keep Nate Solder beyond this year. So, you know, ultimately, we want to see that jump from Pair, and that's that's four out of five spots there. Yeah, but I think when when we drafted Pair, it was kind of the assumption he was a project. I mean, I think he started playing a lot sooner than I anticipated him to. Um, and I think you hit on both major points with with this offensive line. It we we've committed a lot of draft capital in this line. You know, if you look at who the starting five are, they're all the young guys and the older guys are, you know, got, you know, Nate Solar, you know, he could very well be a starter on this team right now, but he's not. Um, I, I think the combination, and I keep saying like a broken record, what happened in the last off season had such a major impact on development of these guys. I mean, Andrew Thomas, I think is a, completely different player. I mean, he may not be an all pro starting left tackle, uh, but he is definitely, it took him a while to get his sea legs playing. And I think 
not being able to have a real offseason with real coaching negatively impacted him. The turmoil in coaching in the offensive line last year, you know, we don't know what went on behind the scenes other than what we know of, you know, guys getting fired in the middle of the season and consultants coming in, you know, who knows who, you know, what voice to listen to and conflicting voices. That's all going to really slow down development. And the key to this offensive line is development. So I, I hate giving passes, but I think last year was such a unique situation that you almost have to give a pass for, you know, what happened. I, my expectation level is a lot, lot higher this year. But from Dave Gettleman, I mean, he spent draft picks. He spent a first-round pick last year on a left tackle. He spent for Shane Lemieux. He spent for Pert. He, he, he spent for these guys. So it's not like, you know, we're, we, Gettleman's ignored it or just thrown, you know, spent – oodles and oodles of money with, with, with patchwork on these guys. He's trying to build it the right way. So I, I think it's still a to be determined. You know, if we're having this conversation next year at this time about the offensive line, well then, you know, then that goes on Gettleman. Absolutely. But right now it's still an incomplete grade. Are there any uh, camp battles on the offensive side of the ball that you're kind of looking forward to? Anything jump out at you? Um, there because for me you know i mean every year we're going to talk about you know the end of the line wide receivers you know the the end of the line running how many running backs we're going to carry you know things like that but i'm really kind of interested in the tight end situation we've got four guys there all of which have gotten decent starting time last year you know, between Ingram, Rudolph, Smith, and Toy Lolo, all of them have gotten a lot of playing time. Um, and I just don't know if they're going to keep all four of them or who's going to get the nod. Will Evan Ingram finish out this year? I mean, I don't know. There's just so many things that could have. I could see so many scenarios playing out there, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes up in camp. What about you? Yeah, I, that's an interesting one because to me it all, you know, I'm always trying to read the tea leaves and see, you know, what does it mean about Evan Ingram? In, I, I, my gut feeling is the rest of the league has a much higher opinion in Evan Ingram than giant fans do. <laughs> so, you know, and also that might include Dave Gettleman. I mean, I think giant fans are ready to tell him, take a hike. But I think that, you know, I think Dave Gettleman, A, values him as an asset, B, is an important part of this offense. And I'm not sure he's you know, willing so quickly to move on from him based on what else is on the roster at tight end. Now, there may be other GMs out there that are looking at this guy and being like, you know, we would take him in a minute and might be able to get him at a discount if we're just in a get rid of him mode. So, you know, that's going to be a really interesting battle to see, you know, you know, also how Evan Ingram fits in with this offense with all the new, you know, guys we have now with all the new receivers, you know, has he fit in with a, with an offense that's going to feature Kenny Galladay and, you know, Kadarius Tony more, a lot more, and also Saquon Barkley back. I mean, does he become, does he become a beneficiary of a guy who doesn't have to be double teamed maybe as much He's, or, you know, maybe not as much pressure on him that, he, you know, it's all in his head that he has drops where he shouldn't be having drops. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, He's kind of probably the most, you know, story number one of, you know, A, does he survive 
training camp as a starter, B, does he survive being on this team? C, what does he do during the season? Yeah. Yeah. Um, flipping over to the defense, I feel much better about the defense than the offense. And I part of that is because I think the defense in particular overachieved last year. But also, they kind of overachieved considering what that roster was. And they have, since then, really added talent. And um, I'm actually excited to see this defense. I mean, we've, we haven't seen a true pass rusher on this team in so long that I don't even know... I'm not really even sure that I've graded Aziz Ojolari correctly. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just... I haven't seen a pass rusher on this team and what they can do. Uh, so... I'm excited to see how he fits in. You know, the, the, there's all sorts of pieces in the back end. You know, when you add in a Dory Jackson, you know, it's really I, I, the last time we had two great corners on this team. You know, proven ones, not Eli Apple, but you know, it was you know, 2016. You know what I mean? With, with Dominic Rogers Camardi, and then you know that was a, that was a great team. And you go back a little bit further to those Aaron Ross and Corey Webster days. The 2011 team was pretty good. Um, and, you know, that's a connection all the way back to the 07 team. So we haven't really seen a great tandem like that in a while. And, um, you know, you throw in Aaron Robinson as well. You've got a lot of depth back there. So, you know, the the nagging hamstring injuries that normally would, you know, definitely cause three losses out of the season. You know, now you have some competency to pop in and, uh, you know, sub in for a, a couple weeks. So I'm actually really excited about this defense. Yeah, we, we saw a defense last year that overachieved because we had really good coaches playing a really good chess game with the pieces they had. Now you're giving, you know, this chess master real pieces to work with. So you don't have to over scheme things. You can just go out there and win a one on one battle where you may not been able to before. Now, you know, we've upgraded significantly a cornerback you know having a Bradbury you know now having a Dory Jackson helping him on the other side so it's it changes everything I mean now you can go out there and, and out talent them as much as out you know you're not relying to out scheme I think I think that makes the coach's job a lot easier makes the player's job a lot easier it makes the offense's job a lot easier I think because you know this is a defense we're hoping will get off the field even faster than they did last year. Uh, you know, makes the offense, you know, gives them better field position. That way, you know, we're not having to always be starting at our own 20 or our own 10 or something. Uh, it, that's, I agree with you. That's what I'm more excited to see. I mean, I'm more interested in what's going to happen with the offense because there's so many plot lines and, you know, to be determined, but the defense seems what I'm excited about. I think we'll go in and we can win some games, especially when it gets cold up in the Meadowlands and we have to do that Chicago game in early January where you need a good defense, you know, and you don't want to, you know, can't rely on a high-flying offense. So that's that's what I'm excited about too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, having those two corners, like you were saying, and all the things that frees people up to do and not relying on scheme, I think it actually, 
you don't have to rely on scheme at all. You're right. You can let guys go out there and play. It opens up the playbook. I mean, you can play a lot more gamble press man coverage and stuff like that when you've got two great corners like that. So there's all sorts of things that can, you know, that can happen now uh, because you have all this other stuff, this trusted talent on the back end. So I think I'm really I think excited. both coordinators. I think both coordinators last year were kind of hamstring on what they could and couldn't do because of oh, personnel. Of I mean, so I mean, everybody was so quick to want to get rid of Jason Garrett. You know, it's like, okay, well, now we've given him all the tools he'll need in his toolbox. He has real receivers. He has a franchise running back now. He'll have an offensive line that's had a year to gel together with a real off season. You know, he has a quarterback that's that doesn't have training wheels on him anymore because of for whatever reasons. So it's not going to be like just, you know, the base offense and not extra, you know, and also guys on offense, too, that we hope can out talent the other side, not just having to out scheme them. And I, I think we can do a real evaluation on a Jason Garrett again this time next year. You know, we're we're pretty happy. We think we kind of know what Patrick Graham is, you know, but let's see what Jason Garrett really is and what he can do with, you know, the full guns that is, you know, in his uh, holster. On, on top of that, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of camp battle-y kind of situations I can see on defense. It's a little bit harder to predict exactly who is depth for who, you know, on this defense. It's very um, fluid, and you know, guys' positions are kind of different depending on the the matchup and stuff like that. So, um, but one thing that I am really interested in is really which pass rushers end up sticking because. I mean, it depends on who you even consider a pass rusher or stand or an outside linebacker or whatever. But like, you know, with Ojolari, Odenabo, Ryan Anderson, they went out and got. They drafted Ellerson Smith and Lorenzo Carter. We're still looking for some jump from O'Shane Ziminis as well. They have Cam Brown. You know, was somebody that they were, um, you know, giving some snaps to last year as well. That's a lot of guys fighting for not that many spots. So I'm really interested to see who they give up. Because I think they're probably going to have to give up on some of these draft picks or something. Um, and, you know, or one of the free agents. You know, it's going to be more than one. It's going to be both. And it's going to be interesting to see which stand out in camp and earn that spot. Let me flip it around for you. Um, who would be somebody you think that's left off the roster that you're, as of today, not expecting to be cut. Are there any guys you think could be surprises that most people aren't thinking about that would be, because it happens every year, you know, and, and, and every team, there are guys, they're like, oh, that's that's a, sh- a shock that he's not on the roster anymore, and that's what makes that big scramble after cutdown day so interesting. And uh, and don't forget, you know, fans, this that's a part of the, part of the roster build would be who we can pick up, you know, in early September. But looking at the, uh, you know, at, at the, the training the pre-training camp roster, who, who do you think would be a candidate for that surprise guy that gets cut? Man, I, I, um, I am not sure. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how much of a surprise it is if I say Kyle Rudolph, because he, he kind of has that ankle thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and also we just, Signed him. It's not like yeah, yeah. he's been well, around yeah. for a couple of years. I mean, is there anybody you think that's a borderline starter that you'd be surprised to see 
gets thrown out, gets cut. Well, I mean, does Kyle Rudolph not count as a borderline starter? I guess, but I mean, I mean, are, are you really counting on him to be, you know, like that surprise? I guess that wouldn't surprise you. I mean, guys, we just pick up like that and we just get rid of doesn't is not a surprise to me as much. I'm guess somebody that I'm kind of used to and have thought about is in my plans for the future, and all of a sudden is gone. Um. I mean, maybe I'm looking kind of at Sterling Shepard. Maybe. Boy, that's exactly the guy I was looking at. I was like, you know, I'm talking about a surprise. We're, I'm not predicting it. No, but I, there I was don't some... think that would happen. But I can see, like the the dotted line to Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard's contract, you know, et cetera. I was thinking, you know, after all of the. You know, for the last two years, what do we do with this guy? Would it surprise you if Nate Solder gets it? Yeah. That maybe maybe he comes into camp and he's not quite a hundred percent back in football form. And um, would it surprise me? I guess not. But I think the Shepherd one would definitely be kind of a surprise. Like, well, I would say it would be ill-advised. I didn't. I didn't say it'd be the smart thing to do. I said, you know, is that something you could, you know, if you're picking one wild card guy that doesn't make the roster that we expected to be on the roster, I kind of was thinking it's him as well. Yeah, I can't think of anybody on defense like near the starter spot. You know, they're either not really much of a surprise or they just it's too much. They're just gonna, they're just gonna lose in a battle, and you know, and. The battle's so close that it's not really much. Like we're not expecting anybody like, you know, BJ Hill to get cut. Someone like that. Um, I, I mean, or would you put him in that category? I could see him being cut. Um, I, I mean, the, the the there are a lot of really good defensive tackles on this team, and someone's gonna have to go. Like, I think everyone's consensus is that it's gonna be RJ McIntosh just because he hasn't gotten a lot of snaps, but. He's, I mean, he is a very good player. He's just buried under depth. But, I mean, you know, what if this year B.J. Hill starts slowing down a little bit more and R.J. McIntosh keeps producing when he starts getting playing time? I mean, I could I could see that happening. I don't expect it, but I could see it happening. And someone, like I said, someone's got to go there. I mean, not going to keep everybody. Right, right, right. But that those are more kind of like just... Those are camp battles of kind of equal peers. I meant just like Sterling Shepard to me is kind of the guy I was thinking of. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I don't see anybody on defense that falls into that category at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's pretty much that's that's pretty much it. That's where we stand right now, and and quite frankly, we haven't felt like this. I mean, since we, we like started the show. Right, I mean, we started the show on the heels of the 2016 season, going into 2017. There was no reason not to feel good at that time. I would say, yeah. I mean, the year after the playoff, the the, the Packer playoff loss, we kind of went into that season feeling pretty good about ourselves. And ever since then, it's been kind of that 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 descent into mediocrity and, and football irrelevance. Yeah, and and if you didn't know, I've now just released the news that are the the the. <laughs> the genesis of this podcast is also the genesis of the Giants' doom. 
So yeah, whoops. Call us, I guess we're, we're the. I mean, it, all you have to do is just look at my Twitter handle at the Cranky Fan. It's a picture of uh, Eddie Mush yeah. from the Bronx Tale. You know, everything he touches turns to shit, and unfortunately, as soon as we hit pressed uh, record and on air. <laughs> You just got to bring some of that that Tampa magic up up north now. Tampa Bay magic, yeah. <laughs> Tampa area. Um, but uh, so you know th- that's kind of it for this episode. We have some more like fun stuff lined up over the next couple of weeks. There's not a whole lot to talk about, but we are kind of scanning things involved on Twitter and stuff. So if anything comes up, we will obviously have emergency broadcast episodes, things like that. But. This is the fingers crossed we don't want to do that. Right. Last year we took a couple of weeks off here and there on this time of year, but we were like – we just love talking to you so much. We figured we'd uh, spend a half hour and just talk about gibberish for a while. So, <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for the Just Gibberish podcast. Uh, you can follow me at, on, on Twitter at football underscore grump where I am always pretty active and you know interacting with all of everybody. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan where, you know, we're in the middle of this Stanley Cup run. I am uh, running down to Tampa on Wednesday for game two and potentially for some more games later in the series. You know, my Rays are a game out of first. For all you Yankee fans out there, you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. For that payroll, that team is a mess. Uh just had to throw that in just to get a little – throw a little uh, knife in the uh, in the belly of you guys. You guys are pretty pathetic. So, yeah, so we're talking lightning. We're talking rays. We're talking uh, obviously the Giants as we kind of creep slowly and slowly towards training camp. All right, everyone. Go, Go Giants. Giants.